Well, as I said, happy Mother's Day. And I'm going to start today with a Mother's Day litany. So let us prepare ourselves, our minds, and our spirits to not only praise our Lord this morning, but also to thank our mothers and mother figures in our life. All who hear these words are sons or daughters. We praise God for the women who gave us life. For mothers brave, strong, compassionate, full of wisdom and grace. We give, thanks, we give God thanks and praise. For mothers vulnerable, worried, frustrated, and hurried, we pray for peace. For, rela for relationships that are strained and no longer a source of joy, we pray for healing. For mothers who have died, that live no longer with us, but whose light shines on in our hearts and memories. We pray for those that mourn and give God thanks for life eternal. For mothers who grieve, who have lost children born or unborn, we weep with those with broken hearts. For those who are struggling to raise children, who are tired and weary, we pray that they may that we may be their village, offering real help in hard times. For those who are preparing emptier nests, we both celebrate and mourn with you and hope their wings are as strong as their roots are deep. For stepmothers, navigating the pitfalls and joys of creating a new family, we pray for wisdom and patience. For grandmothers who are doing the hard work of raising children again, we pray the caregivers have those who care for them. For those who are waiting and sometimes struggling with the biological process to bring new life, and for those who are waiting for adoptive processes to be fulfilled, we wait eagerly with you and offer you our hand to hold in the trial. For women who do not have children, but instead teach, lead, care for, and guide the children of others, we give God thanks and praise. For the mothers, sisters, daughters in our midst and around the world, for the women who created, who created in the image of God, give not just life, but abundant life. For women fighting, struggling, and sweating for the sake of others. For women caring, caring, compassionate, and crying with the heart of Christ. For caregivers, prophets, preachers, teachers, leaders, shepherds, healers. For moms in their wide variety and many forms. We give thanks to God and praise. Our scripture today is from John, and it's chapter 15, and it's 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. 
You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As I mentioned last week and in a few other sermons as we've gone along, John is a different kind of gospel for a few reasons. For the sake of this passage, it is, it is because Jesus does not use parables in John like he does in other gospels. What Jesus is saying here is what is called mashal in Hebrew traditions. The difference between the parable and the mashal is that it includes an image and appreciation for real life rather than a once upon a time feel that the other gospel lessons get from Jesus. For instance, the, uh, the uh, prodigal son and things like that. There is another big difference between John and the other gospels. I may have mentioned this last week, but just in case I didn't, I'm going to say it again. Jesus does not spend time beating around the bush in this gospel. In the other three, he often would say things in a veiled way. He refers to himself in the third person and alludes to his death, to his coming death. He would say some really strange things, and often when I think of what the disciples may have thought when they heard him speaking, it kind of makes me chuckle a little. We know the truth now, and eventually so did the disciples. But think about how you might respond to a friend as you're sitting around the campfire or at the kitchen table playing cards, and one of your friends starts talking about themselves in the third person or worse by their occupation and speaking about their demise. The computer programmer's time will soon come to an end. The kingdom of God is upon us. There are a couple of ways you could respond. One is to get really worried about your friend and look for ways that you might get them some help. Or you might just say, yeah, that's awesome, it's your deal. But here in the Gospel of John, Jesus says the same general things to the disciples, but immediately follows it up with, oh, hey guys, it's me, I'm talking about me, I am the vine. It's really, it really is helpful that the author of John took a lot of the guesswork out of the points that Jesus was trying to make. Luckily for me, so that I have something to preach on this week, there are still some other things that need to be worked through in order to grasp the true meaning of this passage. The vine is a common image used in the Hebrew scripture that spoke of Israel as the people of God. 
It showed divine love and divine judgment. The audience that Jesus was speaking to at this time would have understood this deeper meaning, just as they would have with a parable. The parables, allusions, and mashals were used to bring the point into context. Much like pastors do as we attempt to follow Christ's example, we try to bring the scriptures into a modern text, showing ways that we can put the scriptures to work in our daily lives. Jesus did the same thing in his sermons. The idea of a vine grower and one that goes through and prunes the vines is something that we can appreciate in the background of agriculture that surrounds our community. I can't speak for myself much because even before we were asked to stay inside, I don't go outside very often in an effort to preserve my very delicate skin. But anyone who has tried to grow something knows that you must keep the soil clear of dead and dried leaves so that the sun and the rain can feed the ground. Old limbs need to come off trees and bushes to make way for new healthy ones. My mother will stand for what seems like hours picking off dead leaves from her endless collection of houseplants, making room for new growth. The understanding that the audience of the, of the time would have had is that God was the vine grower and that God's people, the vines, were pruned or cleansed through Jesus Christ. In this passage, the word abide appears eight times in the New Revised Standard Version of the text that I just read. Eight times within eight verses. I wonder if it must be important. To abide means to accept or live in accordance with a rule. In order to abide with Jesus and for Jesus to abide with us, we must accept his teaching and live by it to the very best of our ability and strive to do better. John takes the image out of the usual Hebrew teachings of the vine and brings it into the realm of Christology. And Christology is the theology surrounding the divinity of Jesus Christ, the study of Jesus. God is still the vine grower, but now the vines are not the people of Israel, but Jesus himself. The branches of the vine are part of Jesus's mystical body. A productive branch is secured strongly to the vine. Its strong relationship with Jesus and with its community adhere it to the vine in a way that is unbreakable. The branches that do not abide in Jesus are cut away by the vine-grower God. There is no place for unfruitful branches in the community of Jesus, the vine. The passage has very exclusive and sectarian language, which can often make us feel uncomfortable in our efforts to be an inclusive church. The lesson may have been necessary at the time for a community in search of self-identity. When we read and study the Bible, we must always be aware of what the original audience believed. 
or what they were experiencing at the time. Not everything that we read in the Bible will make complete sense to us now. We can still find important lessons in this passage today. Only attachment to Jesus' words, his message of the gospel, the good news, as understood in community, will ensure that the church produces fruit. Apart from that, there is nothing we can do. And whatever else we may be doing, it might be for, if it's for the wrong reasons, we also will not bear fruit. When the church forgets that its mission is to show its attachment to Jesus by uncompromisingly proclaiming the gospel in today's society, then it becomes a disposable part of God's vine. Yes, the words can be hard, but they are true. The church becomes an institution that settles into the world rather than transforming it. It ceases to be attached to the source of life and becomes a mere institution seeking self-preservation. Back in the mid-1990s, when corporations really started to dig into the advertising trends of adding taglines to their company names and products, the United Methodist Church was no different. Not only do we have a tagline, open minds, open hearts, open doors, but we have a mission statement as well. The mission statement of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. What is important is not the numbers that can be bragged about at annual conference, but of the work that the church is doing in the community to bring the word, grace, mercy, and salvation of Jesus Christ to the people. It is about building relationships. It is showing the world that we are Christians by our love. Another important lesson we learn from this passage is that in a vine, branches are almost completely indistinguishable, indistinguishable from one another. It is impossible to determine where one branch stops and another branch starts. They all run together as they grow out of the central vine. There is an adherence of hierarchy in this vision of church as branch, branches of the vine because they all belong to the same vine and are tended by the same vine grower. Therefore, there is no status. I've dropped. Hold on. Hello? Are you guys back? Sorry about that. Sermon's almost done, so it's too bad it couldn't hold off. Okay. All right, where was I? There is an absence of a hierarchy in this vision of the church as branches of a vine because they all belong to the same vine and are tended by the same vine grower. Therefore, there is no status. Everyone is equal. Everyone is responsible for bearing fruit. The only condition is to love each other as Jesus loves us. 
the church, big C, may very well be important, the most important institution on earth. Without the guidance of Jesus Christ, we would not be able to make it through a lot of what life has, to, has thrown at us. For instance, a global pandemic. Jesus Christ has given us experts in the field of medicine, people who have heard their calling from God to do what they can to stave off disease, the devastation of illness, and who give us the answers to keeping ourselves and those we love safe. As members of Christ's body, we do not have to face those or any other issues alone. There is strength in numbers to be sure, but there is more strength in relationship. It is difficult absolutely to contemplate the changes that we are facing in our society, but no matter the changes that need to be made, we are still the body of Christ. Together, while apart, abiding in the message that Jesus gave to us, to love God with our whole selves, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, to fostering love, healthy and stable relationships through him. And now let us pray as Jesus Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.